Hello friends, welcome to Scattered People number 15. I am so glad to be back after the Easter holidays. Hope you had a great Easter. We are back in the book of Acts together. Let me explain what we're doing in case you're new to Scattered People. Uh, during this coronavirus lockdown season, I'm posting a 10 minute daily devotional each day to try and help you to hear God in the midst of it, to make sense of what's going on in the midst of it. And what we're doing is we're going through the book of Acts together. So we help you if you've got a Bible. And uh, we are also trying prayerfully to seek God and to ask the question, God, what are you trying to teach us in this season? So I'm praying and hopefully I'll bring something prophetic in what I share with you today. But also people are posting stuff on hashtag scattered people or on the YouTube comments that go with these videos. So we're having a bit of a conversation about what we think God might be doing. People are emailing me and I'm including them in my talks. So essentially we are daily going on a journey of trying to work out what God is doing. And here we are three weeks into the coronavirus lockdown. And so what I'm trying to look at as we carry on in Acts chapter four is I'm beginning to ask the question, what is God teaching us through this lockdown that we are to take with us through to the other side of this lockdown? Uh, I, I am praying, God, when we're back, may we not be the same. May we learn through this season. May you show us what you want to show us. Teach us what you want to teach us. And so I'm going to try today, tomorrow, well, basically for the whole of this week, in Acts 4 and 5, I'm going to try and help you to grasp what is God teaching us as Christians and us as churches. And the big thing I want to talk about today is I believe this coronavirus lockdown is a dry run for the persecution of the Western church. I'll say that again because I know it's controversial. I believe, we've talked about it for years, I believe persecution is coming to the Western church in the next 10 years. I believe we will not be able to meet as freely as we are. I believe we will not be able to preach the word of God as freely as we can right now. And that we will be looking back on these weeks to learn lessons for how we survive as a persecuted church in the West. Some of you will agree with me instantly. Some of you will think, Phil, you've lost it today. Well, Hear me out as we read Acts 4 together. We're going to read Acts 4, 1 to 13, so follow along with me. I'll read the verses and then I'll try and help you to grasp what I'm talking about today and what I believe God wants to talk to you about today. Uh, we finished just before the Easter weekend. We got to Peter and John healing a lame man. So let's carry on, Acts 4. Uh, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people who had gathered because they'd healed the lame man. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They were proclaiming something that the culture around them didn't want proclaimed. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail overnight until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. In fact, the number of men who believed, in other words, the number of households, grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. They, they asked them, by what power and name, in other words, authority, did you do this? What gives you the right to speak like this when the culture all around you says something very different? Then Peter, 
filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a lame man and being asked how he was healed, then we'll know this, you and everyone who lives in Jerusalem. Uh, it, it was in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Just pick up some of the courage of Peter's statement. They're, they're, they're like being put in a corner. This is the moment where most people would backpedal and say, no, 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 you misunderstood my preaching. I didn't really mean that. Peter says, hey, if you want to know the name, the authority, the power, it's in the authority and power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. I mean, it's so in their faces. And then he ups the ante. He quotes from Psalm 118. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone is a very controversial way of saying you Pharisees and teachers of the law have become the bad guys in the Old Testament. The bad guys that were prophesied about, not the good guys. Because, Peter carries on with like the most courageous statement, because salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name in heaven, uh, under heaven, given to mankind by which we must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I believe that the reason the church in the UK and in Europe and in America has not been persecuted very much is we've pulled our punches with the Christian message. The Christian message is not just that God loves people. It's that God loves people so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish. In other words, should not be punished for their sins in hell, but should have everlasting life. In fact, it even carries on. It says those who believe in the son of God have eternal life, John 3. But those who have not believed in him stand condemned already because they haven't believed in the Son of God. John 3 is incredibly controversial. Peter and John are standing here in the Sanhedrin together. And they are basically looking their culture in the face. And they are saying there is no salvation other than Jesus. Which states two things. One, you've sinned and need forgiveness. And two, religion won't, for, won't earn you forgiveness. It's Jesus and Jesus alone who brings forgiveness through his blood and through his broken body, through his death and resurrection, this Easter message that we've been proclaiming. When did you last hear someone say that? Now, I know we say it in our churches, but when did you last hear someone say that outside our churches? This is why I'm convinced that this coronavirus season is God preparing us for persecution because I think it's doing two, th three things. I think the first thing it's doing is it's taking the church outside the building. When I preached over the weekend, I was so much more aware that I was not preaching to the people of everyday church alone, but preaching to the world. We had two, three, four times as many people come to our Easter services as would have come if we'd met in our church buildings. I was aware that I was street preaching, not church preaching. And I think that's a key part of what God's teaching us in this season. The second thing God's teaching us in this season is how to pray, how to spend time with God. It says in verse 8, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 13, they were astonished and took note that these people had been with Jesus. There is a courage that comes through intimacy with God. Uh, 
which God is developing in the church right now. And that's the third thing that I believe God's working in us. I, I think one of the reasons why we have shied away from persecution is because we know the cost. I have a friend who's a church leader who did a series on sex and sexuality. Uh, his church was meeting in a pub function room and uh, they did a series on sex and sexuality where they talked about the, the about what Jesus and the New Testament apostles write about how Christians live their sex lives and the following Sunday they were evicted from the pub because the pub landlord heard what they were saying and said I don't want you in here. So many of us we are meeting in hired spaces. Everyday church half of our venues meet in hired spaces. There is a fear that if we speak the word of God too plainly we will lose the church buildings that we have and we all know how important those church buildings are. We are worried about church hopping. We are worried about the people on the edges of the church. And I think what we're learning in this season is that actually the strength of a church lies at its core. Churches that are doing badly at the moment are those that have been forever looking after the people on the edges but never discipling the people at the core. They're discovering that their churches have disintegrated in the face of inability to gather on a Sunday. The churches that are prospering really well at the moment are those that have focused on discipling those who are committed followers of Jesus. Those are the ones who are rising up as small group leaders and discipling their small groups via Zoom and WhatsApp and, uh, and FaceTime and every other opportunity to disciple people. We are beginning to realise that the strength of the church lies not in how big a crowd you can gather but in how strong a core you can disciple. I want to talk about this more tomorrow, and I will do. There's more I've got to say on this. But I really believe one of the big things that God's teaching us, that he wants us to take back into this season when we are finally able to gather together in our church buildings on a Sunday again, is God is preparing us to have the same intimacy with him that Peter and John enjoyed, the same courage that Peter and John therefore had, where we are not worried about losing our buildings because we know we can cope without. We are not worried about losing our fringe members because we know that the core, the strength of a church is not its crowd, but its core. God is teaching us to be less afraid of what the world can do to us and more aware of what our calling truly is. We are those who are called to preach about sin, about a saviour, about forgiveness and about consequences for what we do with the choice that Jesus is giving us and, and, and causing us to give to the world. This is a good season where God's teaching us what matters, teaching us to know him, teaching us not to be afraid, teaching us to be courageous. We are going to bring this with us into this new season when we can start gathering again. And I'll expand on this a little bit more tomorrow. But may God bless you. And would you take some time today just to consider this? Would you join me in this prayer? Lord God, we believe persecution is coming. And we believe we need a dress rehearsal for it. I thank you for this season that none of us would have wanted, in which we are learning to do church the way we will have to do church if we are persecuted and forbidden to do some of the things we've taken for granted. Thank you for this dress rehearsal for the church. And I pray, get us ready. When we are back together, may we be back but different and ready to be like Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. I ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Hey, that's the end for today. Please, would you comment on this? Hashtag scattered people. Tomorrow I'll record another message. We'll explore this theme further. God is going to help us through these videos, through our discussions together, to get ready for the moment where governments say, you can gather again together. What's God trying to teach us? Love to talk with you today. Have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow and we'll carry on some more scattered people.